Well, praise the Lord. Thank you so much for coming back out this uh, evening for the last of our Bible Prophecy Sunday here at Wood River Baptist Church. And so we do appreciate you. Hope you all had a great afternoon. Amen. And so uh, before we uh, uh, begin, I'm not sure if you want to maybe do a few uh, questions after, yeah, if there's time, right? Maybe take a few questions from the audience like we, you know, we're accustomed to doing every time we're coming here. So if you have a, a question for, uh, you know, concerning Bible prophecy, we will try to answer your questions. I mean, I don't have all the answers, okay? But I know somebody who does. <laughs> and that is the B-I-B-L-E, the Bible has all the answers. And so, as promised this morning, uh, I said that we were going to talk about uh, where will World War III be fought? Well, you're looking at the location where I believe, up on the screen, where World War III will be fought. And so let me just uh, point something out over here. You're looking here at the Jezreel Valley. You see that from a distance when I take my tour groups in Israel to a place called Megiddo. Now Megiddo was one of the fortresses that belonged to King Solomon. You can still see a perfectly preserved Solomonic gate going back 3,000 years ago. Looking over here in the distance, you see that mountain over there? That is known as Mount Tabor. Mount Tabor is mentioned in the Bible in Judges chapter number 4, where the Jewish prophetess Deborah, along with her sidekick Barak, came up against the Canaanite forces of Sisera and defeated them right on that very mountain. My friend Dr. Todd Baker and I were just at the foot of Mount Tabor, and we did a Bible teaching you can see on my, my YouTube page. But I believe that this is going to be the location. This is the Jezreel Valley right here. But the Jezreel Valley goes by another name. So I want to direct your attention to Revelation chapter 16. That's where we're going to be at tonight. Revelation chapter number 16. While you are turning to Revelation chapter 16, you have one opportunity after the service to visit my book table Sign up for my newsletters. They're free. They go out every single week via uh, your email box. Also, look at the Holy Land products that I just brought back from Israel this past December. So we have uh, necklaces and all that good stuff there that I brought back from Israel that you could take advantage of at the end of the service. If you want more information about my Bible prophecy tour to Israel, March 29th, to April 7th, that also includes Jordan, just east of the Jordan River, east of the state of Israel. Uh, we will be in that area for 11 days. We will tour Israel, then go over into Jordan, tour Jordan, and then go back to Israel to finish our tour. The tour price is $34.90 per person, all-inclusive, which includes your round-trip airfare, your hotels, buffet, breakfast, and dinner, Daily transportation, everything is included. Two countries for the price of one, Israel and Jordan. And we, when we are in northern Israel, I am going to take you to this very area right here. Where we believe this future world war, the mother of all battles, if you will, will be fought in that very valley. And uh, you'll notice with me in Revelation chapter 16 and in verse number 16. Go there with me. Revelation 16 and verse number 16. One verse. Revelation 16 and verse number 16. And the word of God says this. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. That is where the battle is going to take place. In this vast valley. That you see on the screen right here. The Jezreel Valley. Let's pray tonight. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. Lord, we're so grateful for the morning services, Sunday school. As we talked about the book of Ezekiel. Lord, for the morning service when we talked about the Persian menace of Iran in Bible prophecy. And Lord, tonight 
We're going to be talking about World War III and where it's going to be fought. Many people today are concerned all over the world that one day World War III will break out. That one day World War III will claim many, many lives as World War I and World War II. But Lord, we know that the Bible has a lot to say about this. And it doesn't paint a pretty picture for the world, <coughs> excuse me, in the future. But there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is hope. And His name is Jesus the Messiah. And so Heavenly Father, I pray once again that you would keep me within the bounds of Scripture as I preach this message. That we don't go beyond the perimeters of the Word of God. That we don't delve into the area of hype, drama, sensationalism. Lord, we just want tonight the plain sense interpretation of Scripture. Lord, we're grateful for the two people saved this morning. And maybe, Lord, that just maybe someone here tonight that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. I pray, Lord, that before they even leave this building, that they would settle that eternal question tonight. There is a heaven to gain. And there is a hell to shun. Jesus Christ could either be our Savior now, or one day He'll be our judge. The choice is up to that individual. So may the Holy Spirit of God have His will and His way tonight. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen, amen and Amen. Where will World War III be fought? Now folks, we know... That history tells us that there have been two major world wars. World War One and World War Two. World War One began on July 20th, 1914. And it ended November 11th, 1918. The second world war began on September 1st, 1939. In which America... And her allies fought against Germany and the Nazi regime to stop the ethnic cleansing of Jews. But when it was all said and done, Adolf Hitler and the Nazi regime liquidated six million Jews. And it goes beyond, it was not just limited to the Jews. There were millions of others that were liquidated by the Nazi regime. As well, but Adolf Hitler, he focused on wanting to eliminate the Jewish people that he called vermin in the earth. The First World War resulted in between 15.5 to 18.5 million people killed. The Second World War resulted in between 40 to 85 million People killed. You say millions, man, that's, that's a lot. Yeah, of course it's a lot. But nothing in comparison to what the book of Revelation tells us. It's not going to number in the millions. It's going to number in the B, as in boy. It's going to number in the billions. Between both world wars, there was an estimated death toll of 103.5. 103.5 million people killed. Now that's roughly about 1.5% of the world's population between both World War One and World War Two. And of course, many speculate as to when World War Three will begin. Will there be a third world war? Folks, are we living in a time where World War III could break out at any moment? Possibility is very, very strong. And I have no doubt in my mind, no doubt whatsoever, that we indeed live in a very dangerous time in history here in the 21st century today. You know, today, nine nations possess nuclear weapons. Who are these nations? The United States of America, the United Kingdom, Russia, France, China, India, 
Pakistan, by the way, that's an Islamic nation. Pakistan possesses nuclear nations. No doubt in my mind, Israel and North Korea. Another rogue nation. They possess nuclear weapons. Now, North Korea is a rogue nation with its leader, Kim Jong-un, who at one time threatened to wipe out Hawaii. Folks, he threatened to wipe out the West Coast of the United States. He threatened us with nuclear war. They have nuclear weapons. His father, Kim Jong-un, was ill in the head, and so was this individual. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. They have a rogue, rogue nation. Pakistan. Pakistan, folks, an Islamic state. It's a country at odds with India, another nuclear nation. India is a Hindu country. Some 79% of those people in that country practice Hinduism with 14.2% practicing Islam. And Pakistan and India have traded barbs across each other's borders over the years. Both nuclear nations, they have had confrontations on their borders. And people at one time feared we're going to nuclear war because of those two countries. And there's still no peace between those two countries. The tensions at both borders, Pakistan and India, are very, very high. Because of the uh, recent sanctions President Trump placed on Iran, the Islamic State of Iran said that they're going to right now lift all restrictions on their nuclear ambitions, on their nuclear projects. And Israel just recently said that by come December... 2020, by the way, that's from the Jerusalem Post. That by 2020, and Israel has, in my opinion, the best intelligence in the world. They said that if Iran's not stopped now, by December 2020, Iran will have a nuclear weapon. Iran always calls for Israel to be wiped off the face of the map. They say it every single day. Brother John, without any world condemnation. What if Israel said, we're going to wipe Iran off the face of the map. And by the way, Israel can easily do it. The world would condemn the Jewish state for making such an irresponsible comment. But yet Iran gets away with it every single day. Iran, Persia, we talked about this this morning. Ezekiel chapter 38 and verse number 5. Iran believes, ladies and gentlemen, that World War III is necessary to bring in the Islamic Muslim Messiah that they call Al-Mahdi. Al-Mahdi, the Islamic Messiah, would come into the world and convert the entire world to Islam. And those who refuse to convert to Islam under the rule of Al-Mahdi would be immediately put to death. Because according to the Quran, you don't take Jews and Christians as friends. You know why? According to the Quran, you're the infidel. You're the infidel. You're the infidel. And according to the Quran, infidels are worthy of death. Unless... You convert to Islam. That's your only choice in Islam. Either you convert or you die. But Iran says World War Three is necessary for the Mahdi to come on the scene. The Islamic Messiah who will one day bring a global caliphate. An Islamic caliphate into the world. In which one day the whole entire world will be Muslim. The whole entire world will convert to Islam. Remember what I said this morning? What does Islam mean? Exactly. Submission. Like putting you in a headlock and squeezing so hard until you submit. 
That is what Islam is all about. Now, look at these guys right here. When Todd Baker and I are staying in our hotel in the Galilee, overlooking the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus' ministry was 2,000 years ago, we drive up to a mountain in the Golan Heights, <clears throat> excuse me, called Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is known as the Eyes of Israel, some 9,222 uh, 9, feet high. That is where the transfiguration of Jesus Christ took place in Matthew chapter number 17. The reason why Todd Baker drive all the way up to the Golan Heights to Mount Hermon is because there is an IDF base station there of Israeli Defense Force soldiers. The Israeli army is stationed up there. So what Todd Baker and I do is we'll stop by a convenience store, we'll pick up some potato chips, chocolate bars, <coughs> bottles of water, and we'll take them up there to Mount Hermon. And when we get to Mount Hermon, we give these away to IDF soldiers there and we share the gospel with them. Give them a complete Hebrew Bible, Old and New Testament in Hebrew, Ivrit. That's how you say Hebrew and Hebrew, Ivrit. And when we're up there, I always look at these IDF soldiers and I say, Sir, do you know what happened on this mountain 2,000 years ago? They're saying Hebrew, what's this? Yeshua, that's Jesus' Jewish birth name. Yeshua, which means salvation. Yeshua was transfigured on this mountain 2,000 years ago. I said, read it. Matthew chapter 17. They'll take the Bible, they'll look at Matthew 17. Ah, here, Hermon. Right here, Mount Hermon. Because what biblical town is at the foot of this mountain? They'll say, ah, oh, Caesarea Philippi. Matthew 16, that's where Peter confessed Jesus to be the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then in chapter 17 it says, And Jesus taketh with him Peter, James, and John to a high mountain. Mount Hermon. One idea of soldier said, i got to go back to my barracks. I need to read this. So he gets a Bible. He gets gospel literature. As well as the chocolate bars, potato chips, and all that stuff. But my point to all that is this. When we're driving toward Mount Hermon, we drive through a village called Majdal Shams. Where you see these men. Know what they call? They're called Druze. How many have heard of Druze? D-R-U-Z-E. Druze, they're an offshoot of Islam. They have a different belief mixture of Greek philosophies, Christianity, Gnosticism, uh, Judaism, Hinduism, uh, Islam. They have a, a potpourri of different beliefs. But notice the pants that they're wearing. They're baggy, saggy-looking pants. And when we see them walking while driving through Majdal Shams and the wind's blowing, I mean, those pants, like, I mean, they're just like flapping right out there. You know why? There's a Druze belief that a male will give birth to the Mahdi. And so if they give birth to the Mahdi... They want to make sure that he doesn't drop to the ground and hit his head. Wow. That's why you got the baggy pants to catch him wow. when he's born. That's a crazy, crazy belief system. But that's what they believe. That's what these Druze individuals believe. That it will be a man that will give birth to the Mahdi. They don't believe that in all Islam, but this group believes exactly that. A male will give birth to the Muslim Messiah, the Mahdi. Iran has threatened to wipe Israel off the face of the map, as I said, on a daily basis. They know Israel has nuclear weapons, so these guys want to have a level playing field. So now we need to get nuclear weapons. And since President Donald Trump laid more sanctions on us, especially after we attacked them with those 10 missiles in Iraq recently... Now we're free to produce a nuclear weapon. And the moment we get a nuclear weapon, first order of business is we're firing at Israel. Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, said, there's a red line that Israel must draw. And if Iran crosses that red line and we know they're about to get a nuclear weapon, 
We're going to have no choice but to go on ourselves. Israel's done it in the past. They'll do it again. Make no mistake about it. And Netanyahu says, even if we have to go in alone, we're going to go in alone. We have more nuclear weapons in this world to destroy this planet 100 times over in all life as we know it. I've heard some very scary talk about a possible EMP attack. What is an EMP? Electronic Magnetic Pulse. And I read up on this stuff, folks, and it's pretty, pretty scary. All a terrorist has to do is get an EMP device, have it explode a couple of miles or so above planet Earth, and let me tell you something, an EMP attack will send the United States back to the Stone Age. Resulting in millions and millions of lives being lost. What can an EMP do? A nuclear blast triggers an effect called electromagnetic electro uh, pulse or EMP. An EMP can disrupt or even destroy electronics from miles and miles away. Blast miles above a country like the United States would severely damage its electrical and telecommunications infrastructure. Kiss your cell phones goodbye. Kiss the internet goodbye. Nothing would work. It would send us right back to the Stone Age. Does this type of technology exist? Absolutely. And terrorists would love to get an EMP device and detonate it at least two miles above the United States of America. Now, I, I took this from the Express website. That ain't no Bible prophecy website. That is a secular British website. The Express website reported on an article entitled World War Three Predictions. Where would World War Three be fought? Will there be a World War Three? World War Three fears have been triggered once again, according to this article, in the new year 2020. The article went on to say, and I quote, uh, the article said, because Iran lifted its restrictions on their nuclear program, many experts believe this move, while an attempt to prevent an all-out war, could well be the move which spells out the end and leads the world to World War Three. The largest military might among these countries is, number one, China. But when I think of China, I think of what the Bible says about an attack from the kings of the east. Revelation 9.15 talks about a 200 million man army coming from the far east over the dried up Euphrates River in the area of Iraq, Turkey. Coming into the Middle East. And John says they number 200 million. And then in Revelation 16.12 it says... And the Euphrates River was dried up that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. China has a military. You ready? They number in troops of 2,183,000. You want to talk about a sleeping giant? That sleeping giant is about to wake up. India, with the second largest human population in the world has an army of 1,362,500. The United States of America, with a military might, of 1,281,900. North Korea, 1,280,000. Russia, 1,013,628. Pakistan, 654,000. South Korea, 625,000. Iran, 523,000. And yet, ladies and gentlemen, Bible prophecy calls for another global world war. And this time it will result in millions dying in the upcoming seven-year period of tribulation. Or what we call the 70th week of Daniel's prophecy. When at this time, God will pour 21 judgments on this earth during the seven-year period of tribulation. What are these 21 judgments? 
there are seven seals. Followed by seven trumpets. Followed by seven vile or bold judgments. The seal judgments are recorded in Revelation chapter 6. The trumpet judgments are recorded in Revelation chapter 9. The bowl or vile judgments are recorded in Revelation chapters 15 and 16. 21 judgments in all. Let me ask you all a Bible question here. Who opens the seals in Revelation chapter 6? Exactly. Jesus does. John said in Revelation 6, 1, I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals. And ladies and gentlemen, when the Lamb opens the seals, it's going to result in a massive amount of lives lost. When we get to the trumpet judgments in Revelation chapter 8, verse 2, I saw seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets, or seven shofars. And then when we get to Revelation chapter 16, verse number 2, Go your ways and pour out the vials or bowls of the wrath of God upon you. What am I saying? All of this is the wrath of God. All seven years of the tribulation period is the wrath of God. You've got to be careful with this pre-wrath nonsense. Or pre-wrath rapturism. That says the first two and a half years of the tribulation period is the wrath of man. One fourth of the last two and a half years is the wrath of Satan. And then the rest of it is the wrath of God. Baloney. All seven years of the tribulation period is the wrath of God. Revelation chapter 6, verses 16 and 17. The people of the earth are saying to the rocks of the mountains, fall on us and hide us. Hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come. And who shall be able to stand? All seven years of this tribulation period, folks, is the wrath of God. God is pouring 21 judgments on this earth. As I said, the opening of the seal Judgments, Revelation chapter 6, verse number 8. And I looked and behold a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death, and hell followed with him, and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill. A little over 7 billion people on planet earth today. Take one fourth of 7 billion people. You know what that is, ladies and gentlemen? Just from the seal judgments. 1.5 billion people. That goes way beyond the figure I gave you between World War I and World War II. Not to minimize that, but that was a cakewalk compared to what's going to happen here. Revelation 6.8 is clear. 1.5 billion people will die just from the opening of the seal judgments. And when all of the seven of the seal judgments take place, then there is the seven trumpet judgments. Back up with me to Revelation chapter number nine, if you will, please. Revelation chapter nine, I want you to notice with me in verse number 15. Now, the sixth angel blows his trumpet, his shofar, okay? And when that happens, it results in more loss of human life. Notice me in Revelation 9, 15. <clears throat> and the four angels were loosed. Actually, let me start at verse 13. And the sixth angel sounded. And I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which, which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour, and a day, and a month, and a year for to do what? Slay the third part of man. So now another one-third of humanity is wiped out. Another 1.5 billion people. Between the seal judgments and the trumpet judgments, it will reduce the world's population to one half its pre-tribulation level. At least close to about three and a half billion 
people killed, and we haven't even gotten to the bold judgments yet. The Bible doesn't give me a number for the bold judgments. But Brother Juno, I can only imagine the loss of life at this time. See, this is the reason why you need to get saved now. This is the reason why you need to trust now in Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior to escape the common nightmare of a seven-year period of tribulation to come upon this world. Notice with me in Revelation 9, 18. Just drop down a few verses there. Revelation chapter 9 and verse number 18. It says this, By these three, what three is he talking about? The demonic locust. That come up out of the earth. Torment mankind with one sting for five months. Men will desire to die, the Bible says, but death will flee from them. And they will be tormented for five months. Among the three, these demons that are loose from the Euphrates River to wreak havoc on mankind. And then here in verse 18, by these three... Was a third part of men killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouth. A third of mankind, ladies and gentlemen, is wiped out. Another 1.5 billion people. The Bible does not paint a pretty picture. Now we see that at the end of the seven year period of tribulation... There is light at the end of the tunnel. Amen? Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew 24 in the Olivet Discourse? He said, unless he came back by the space of three and a half years, there would be no life left on earth whatsoever. Nobody to populate the millennial kingdom in Jerusalem if Jesus Christ did not return back to this earth by the space of three and one half years. If he did not all human life would cease to exist on planet earth. But at the end of the tribulation period, prior to the second coming, the Antichrist and the false prophet will mobilize all the armies of the world to make war against Jesus. That's in Revelation 19.19. John the Apostle said, I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. When Jesus Christ returns, he's going to defeat the armies of the Antichrist and the false prophet. And Revelation 19.20 tells us, and the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before them in which they had deceived the world, they had received the mark of the beast and them that worshiped this image, these both, Antichrist and false prophet, were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Hey, listen, I read the end of this Bible and I know who wins. The Bible says in Revelation 17, 14, These shall make war with the Lamb, but the Lamb shall overcome them. For He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with Him, that's you by the way, and they that are with Him are called and chosen and faithful. That will preach all day. They that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Lord of lords and king of kings. But when we get to Revelation chapter 19 verse 16, it's the reverse. Upon his vesture and upon his thigh was a name written king of kings and lord of lords. By the way, who's the army coming back with Jesus Christ? That's us. The church that was raptured seven years earlier is coming back with him seven years later. How do I know that? Revelation 19, 14. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. That's us, folks. The church coming back with her groom. The Messiah of Israel. The King of Kings. And the Lord of Lords. And yet, fly away. Revelation 16.16 says that they gathered together in a place called in the Hebrew tongue. Har Megiddo. 
That's how you say it in Hebrew. Har, Hebrew for hill, Megiddo. Har, Megiddo. The hill of Megiddo. That's where I want to take you on my Israel tour. We'll go to Tel Megiddo. We'll go up on this hill and we'll look down on the beautiful Jezreel Valley. 67 miles long. 14 miles wide. When Napoleon, in doing battle with the Turks, went to the Jezreel Valley. Wasn't a theologian to my knowledge. But he said, this valley is huge enough to hold all the armies of the world. That's what he said. He lost over there, but he said, this valley is massive to hold all of the armies of the world. Jesus will return and he will destroy those armies that gather at Armageddon. It doesn't say in Revelation 16, 16, battle of Armageddon. It says he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. In other words, all the nations of the world will gather right here in preparation to make war against him who sat on the horse. Led by the Antichrist. Led by the false prophet. They will seek to make war against the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And yet the Bible says that when it's all said and done, the blood will be so high. And it's going to flow for miles. Let's just say for the sake of argument, okay? 100 nations invade the Jezreel Valley. Those 100 nations produce 1 million soldiers apiece. Go with me to Revelation 14.20. Revelation 14.20. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Okay. <clears throat> Revelation 14.20. Now you notice here in Revelation chapter 14 and verse number 20. I'm going to go ahead and read this. Revelation 14, 20. And it says this. And the winepress was trodden without the city. And blood came out of the winepress even unto the horses' bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. Now, if 100 nations invade the Jezreel Valley, Armageddon, they produce one million soldiers. So we say 100 million soldiers. 100 million soldiers killed could produce 600 million quarts of blood. 100 million quarts of blood. And yet that blood will flow for the space of 1,600 furlongs. It will be as high as the horse's bridles. So you have an example of that right there. A full-grown horse almost completely submerged in blood. The mouth of a horse, you horse uh, fans here, is about four, five feet from the ground. That's how high the blood will be when they make war against Jesus Christ. That blood will flow for the space of a thousand six hundred furlongs. Okay. What's a furlong in the Bible? Can anyone tell me what a furlong in the Bible is? Brother? It's about 600 feet. You got it. To be more exact, 606 feet, 9 inches, about one-eighth of a mile. The Bible says the blood will flow for 1,600 furlongs. You know what that is in modern vernacular? That blood will flow for 176 miles. From the, let me back up here. From the Jezreel Valley, going from north all the way south to the entrance of Petra. From the Jezreel Valley to Petra is exactly a thousand six hundred furlongs. It's exactly one hundred and seventy six miles. What a book! Amen. Try finding that prophecy in the Quran. Ain't there. Ain't going to happen, Captain. Try finding that type of prophecy in the Hindu Vedas. Ain't there. Try finding it in the Book of Mormon. Ain't there. But it's right here in the Word of God. It will rise as high as the horse's bridles. 
and will flow for 176 miles to the entrance of Petra. Why the entrance to Petra? In southern Jordan, by the way, we're going to be visiting Petra on our prophecy tour. Because the Jewish people are held up there. The surviving Jewish remnant held up in Petra that fled from the Antichrist at the midway point of the tribulation period when the Antichrist defiles a third Jewish temple, a rebuilt third Jewish temple. When I take you to Jerusalem, I'm going to take you to the Temple Institute. And you'll see at the Temple Institute, they're making all the preparations for the rebuilding of a third Jewish temple. They got everything ready to go for the rebuilding of a third Jewish temple. And in the tribulation period, a third temple will stand on the most sacred piece of real estate on earth today, the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. The Jews call it in Hebrew, Har Harbayat, the Mount of the House. The Arabs call it Haram al-Sharif. Haram al-Sharif is Arabic for the noble sanctuary, even though they deny the existence of the Jewish temples. They say that Jews and you Christians are a bunch of liars. You made up the myth of the temples. You made up the myth of Solomon's temple. You made up the myth of Herod's temple. No such temples exist. But yet, you refer to the Temple Mount in Arabic as Haram al-Sharif, the noble sanctuary. Why do you call it the noble sanctuary? Because there was a sanctuary up there. Two of them. Solomon and Herod's sanctuary in the time of Jesus Christ. Revelation 16, 16. He gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. Again, I read the end of the book, folks, and I know who wins. So here's Jerusalem, the holy city, the holy capital of Jerusalem. The Jews will flee at the midway point of the tribulation period. They will go over the border of Israel into what is today Jordan. And they will find shelter right here at Petra. How do I know Petra? Petra is indirectly mentioned. Isaiah chapter 16, 1 and 4. Isaiah 26, 20. Isaiah 63, 1 through 6. Revelation 12, 6. Revelation 12, 14. That will be the location. Jesus Christ will come to Petra. I, I gotta show you this. Go with me to uh, Isaiah 63. <clears throat> Excuse me. Isaiah 63. Hold your finger in Revelation, but go to Isaiah 63 with me. Isaiah 63. And you'll notice with me in verses 1 through 6. Isaiah 63. 1 through 6. This is an amazing prophecy. Isaiah 63, and I'll begin in verse number 1. The day of God's vengeance. It says in Isaiah 63, in verse number 1, Who is this that cometh from Edom? By the way, that's what Esau and the Edomites dwelt. He made this area his capital. Edom, Basra, or Petra. Let's read on. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? This that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel, and thy garments like him that treadeth the wine fat? Now remember we read Revelation 14.20? That he troddens the wine press, and the blood flows as high as the horse's bridles for the space of a thousand six hundred furlongs. Look at verse three. I have what? Trodden the wine press alone. And of the people there was none with me. For I will tread them in mine anger, trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my remnant. Jesus walks for 176 miles through a valley of blood. That's a lot of blood. His clothing, his vesture is stained in human blood. The blood of his enemies. The blood of the enemies of Israel. From the Jezreel Valley, Armageddon, 
all the way to Petra, southern Jordan. Now, when we look at Revelation chapter 19, verse 13, it says, He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. The Bible will always substantiate the Bible. Amen? Especially when you apply inductive Bible study, you compare scripture with scripture to ascertain more information. The Bible is its best own interpreter. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Baza? Then he takes a surviving Jewish remnant at Basra, Petra, takes them to Jerusalem, where Zechariah 14.4 says, his feet will touch the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is going to split right in half. He's going to reestablish King David's throne. He's going to sit on David's throne. That tribulation temple, you can kiss that goodbye. There'll be a fourth temple called the Millennial Temple. That will stand during the Millennial Kingdom reign for one thousand years. Remember we talked about that in Ezekiel for Sunday school? Ezekiel chapters 40 through 46 covering 202 detailed verses concerning the temple of the Messiah. Built by Jesus Christ himself according to Zechariah chapter 6, 12 and 13. That temple, that millennial temple will stand 21 stories high. An altar on the outside that will be about two stories high. Remember I said you can break the book of Ezekiel down into what? Retribution and restoration. In terms of restoration, that's Ezekiel chapters 33 to 39. The Jewish people are restored back to where they rightfully belong. Israel, not Palestine. Don't call it Palestine. No such place. No such people. No such history. No such culture. No such people called Palestinians. Never was there an indigenous people to the land called Palestinians. When Jesus and his stepfather Joseph, Joseph and his mother Miriam or Mary, after Herod died, the Bible says in Matthew 2, 20 and 21, they came back into the land of Israel. Call it what God calls it in his word. Israel. If I had my way, I would have eliminated that phrase right there. West Bank. We want all Jews out of the West Bank. It's not the West Bank. Don't call it the West Bank. The nation west of what is today Jordan. It's not the West Bank. It's Judea and Samaria. Remember Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, the West Bank. No. Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Listen, when you say Palestine, you're being biblically corrupt. You're not being biblically correct. You're being biblically corrupt. 2,566 times in your King James Bible, God calls the land Israel. Call it what God calls it in his word. Folks, it seems to me the stage is set. The actors are getting into position. The curtain is about to go up on the end time drama. You and I should be yearning for the coming of Jesus Christ. Oh, you know what the problem is today? The church is yawning. Ugh. Well, here we go. Another prophecy teacher. Well, he's, I bet you Brother Rosado's coming in today. He's going to talk about the rapture. What else is new? Oh, he's going to talk about the tribulation. He's going to talk about the second coming. Talking about sealed trumpet judgments, bold judgments. He's going to be talking about this stuff. Oh, the coming of Jesus. Ugh, what else is new? We shouldn't be yawning. Concerning this comment, we should be yearning. 
Titus chapter 2, 11 through 13. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we shall live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And there's the promise of Jesus himself. John 14, verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Here's the question I want to ask everyone here tonight in closing. When Jesus Christ comes back on that day, and that day is soon, make no mistake about it. When Jesus comes on that day, will he be looking for you? Will you meet him in the air or will you be left behind to go through a terrible seven year period of tribulation upon this earth? And world conditions are ripe for the pickings. Ripe for the upcoming 70th week of Daniel's prophecy. You don't want to be here. You don't want to be here. You don't want to be here. August, how can I escape this coming nightmare? Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior now. Tomorrow just might be too late. Every minute that goes by, every second that goes by, is a day closer to his soon return. What did I say this morning? No signs precede the rapture, right? No signs. Nothing has to be fulfilled. Oh, we see many indicators, but no signs precede the rapture. Nothing has to be fulfilled. The rapture is imminent. It could happen at any moment, at any time, without anything having to be fulfilled. Jesus said in Luke 21, 28, when you see these things, what I just showed you, when you see these things begin to come to pass. He never said, I'm coming back when all prophecies are fulfilled. He didn't say that. He said, when you see these things, early indicators begin to come to pass. Look up. Lift up your heads for your redemption. Draweth nigh. I believe Jesus is at the edge of eternity right now, waiting for a signal from the Father. And one day soon, the Father's going to say, Son, go get your bride. Jesus Christ will descend from heaven with a shout. What's he going to shout? I don't know. But the Bible says he will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trumpet of God. This shofar. What I tell you this morning... Keep those ear holes on. Amen. Come up, Heather. Revelation 4.1. And in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, bye-bye. We're out of here. I know I'm going to be out of here. Brother, you know you're going to be out of here. The question is, do you know you're going to be out of here? What if the real trouble was to sound right now? If the rapture was to happen right now, and that's a strong possibility, would this whole entire congregation be empty, or would some of you still be sitting in your seats? Left behind after the rapture. Don't be left behind. Get saved right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a few moments. And we're going to let you go. You know something? You are at the right place at the right time. It is no accident that you're here tonight at Wood River Baptist Church. No accident at all. There is a reason why you are here tonight. To hear a message of this caliber. This morning we saw two people get saved. Glory to God. I want to see someone else here tonight at Wood River, Wood River Baptist Church get saved. If you're sitting here tonight and you're saying, August, 
I don't have that assurance of going to heaven when I die. I don't have no assurance. If I was to die right now, August, I would go right to hell. Or if this rapture was to happen that you're talking about, I would be left behind to go through that terrible seven-year period of tribulation. August, Pastor Juno, would you pray for me tonight? Would you pray for me tonight that I would trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and personal Savior? God has given you a way out. And that's through His Son. His Son who shed His precious blood for you, for your sins, for my sins. We're all sinners. We're all worthy of God's wrath. We all deserve to go to hell. But thank God on April 22nd, 1988, someone shared the same great good news with me and I've trusted in Christ as my Savior. I know where I'm going, whether death or rapture. I know where I'm going. But what about you? By simply raising your hand tonight. And believe me, nobody's looking around. No one's going to embarrass you. No one's going to call you out. I don't even need to know your name. But by simply raising your hand tonight, all you're telling Pastor Juno and myself is simply this. August, please pray for me. I need to get saved. If that's you, just slip your hand up and put it back down. That's all you need to do. Come on, you're among friends who care about you. People who are concerned for your eternal destination, for your soul. August, pray for me. I need to get saved. If that's you, just slip your hand up and put it down. That's all you need to do. Slip it up and put it down. That's all you need to do. I promise no one's going to embarrass you here tonight. I promise no one's going to call you out. Anybody at all? All right, let me ask you this then. If you are saved and you know it, you're born again and you know it. You know you're ready to go, whether by death or by the rapture. You know you're ready to go. If you are saved, would you just raise your hand as a testimony for a minute, please? If you're saved. If you're not saved, don't raise your hand. You're only lying to yourself. August, I'm saved and I know it. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Thank you. Praise the Lord. You can put those hands down. If you could not raise your hand in the affirmative, you need to trust in Christ tonight. See, August, how can I do that? Pray something like this. And mean every single word of it. You must repent of your sins. We don't preach repentance anymore. You must repent of your sins. Change of heart, mind, and attitude. That's repentance in a nutshell. Repentance. Your attitude toward your sin and toward God. You can pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against your holy word. I deserve your wrath. I deserve to go to hell. But God, you love me enough that you sent your son to die for my sins. So tonight, Lord Jesus, I give my heart to you. Come into my life and be my Lord and personal Savior. I repent today. I invite you into my life. Change and transform me right here and right now. And I receive your free gift. The gift of eternal life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me tonight. <clears throat> In your name I pray. Now with nobody looking, with nobody looking, if you just prayed that prayer right now, would you just slip your hand up and put it back down? If you just prayed that prayer, just slip your hand up and put it back down. Anybody at all? Anybody at all? Father, we thank you for your precious word. Lord, we live in exciting times, but they're also very dangerous times. Lord, given all this violence in the world today, violence among religions, violence, domestic violence in this country and countries around the world, nuclear weapons everywhere, Lord. 
Lord, this world is ripe for the breakout of World War III. And based on what we read in the scriptures, Lord, there will be a World War III. That is a given. But God, you have given us a way to escape this coming nightmare. And that is through your son, the Lord Jesus. But Lord, those left behind after the rapture will go through a, a terrible, awful period, unprecedented. But even at the end of the tribulation period, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And that is Jesus Christ coming back to this earth. At the end of that seven year period as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So Father, I pray tonight, Lord, that everyone here in this congregation knows that they know that they know that they know that they are saved, that they are born again. And if there is any doubt whatsoever, Lord, going through someone's head, I pray that they would talk to either Pastor Juno or myself after the service. We'd love to sit down with them and show them from the Bible how they can know without a doubt that they'll be in heaven. Thank you, Lord, for what you are about to do now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Pastor.